The Year of Sunshine and Supercomputers. Sean Kavner, BA 2019, updates us on his studies and breakthrough solar cell research with David Scanlon and Aaron Walsh. Read by Lucas Dowling. A summer of heatwaves and wildfires, travel disruptions and fuel crises has come to an end. Appropriately, more resources than ever are being applied to finding new ways of making and storing energy. A major theme is that existing solutions need to be improved. Wind and waves are unpredictable, so how to store and transport the energy better? Solar energy panels, meanwhile, are resource intensive and inefficient in their current prevalent form. The next generation of solar should address problems like wastefulness of space, flexibility of design, and rates of energy absorption. When it comes to seeking out these improvements, Trinity's strong fundamentals in the sciences and investments in nanoscience, materials, and energy research are already showing results. As well as the training and the application scenarios that can be explored in the college, the international collaborations that will make a difference can blossom from relationships formed in Dublin and carried on elsewhere. That is the case with the advance in ultra-thin solar cells, achieved recently by a trio of Irish scientists, David Scanlon, Aaron Walsh and Sean Kavner. With a shared background in chemistry and physics at Trinity, Scanlon and Walsh are now based in London, University College and Imperial College, and are co-supervising doctoral candidate Kavner. As Dr Stephen Dooley notes elsewhere in this issue, the problems of energy require agility. Interdisciplinary work, collaborations and industry partnerships are all part of the story. Slowly but surely, the world is waking up to the energy problem. So who are these younger cohort of scientists? A classic profile, digitally native, aware of the need of market scalability, and spurred on by an environmental conscience. Says Kavanagh, on the Cavanmeath border, we were always exploring a river and wetlands there. One summer we realised that the fish and the storks were gone from the river. A factory's outflow had caused a fish kill. Matching observations from colleagues and graduates, he notes the historical strength on training in scientific fundamentals at Trinity, and how that is evolving. There is a shift that I saw in my time, with more initiatives in terms of funding and problem solving around practical applications in energy and materials. Most of it's not radically new in terms of concepts. We know what a good solar cell is, but how can we make the chemistry work with different forms and different atoms? In his final year at Trinity, as Kavanagh worked with Professor Valeria Nicolosi at CRAN, the research centre, he knew they wanted to tackle sustainable energy. A PhD in computational modelling seemed to match his abilities. He was awarded full marks in Leaving Cert Maths. And Professor Graeme Watson in the Trinity School of Chemistry referred Kavanagh to his former PhD students, Scanlon and Walsh, in London, now established professors. They confirmed that funding was available for a project. A meeting in person created a rapport. They were good people to work with, fun and friendly, something that a lot of people don't think about enough before starting their doctorate. He turned down an offer from Cambridge to work with them on solar cells, and they agreed to be co-supervisors on his doctorate. For solar, the dominant Chinese-manufactured silicon-based cells 
have a typical operating efficiency of between 18 and 22% and have other excess costs in terms of space, maintenance and energy storage. There are the obvious problems arising from China's monopoly. One line of improvement being chased is making cells from different materials. The trio's groundbreaking work was on material that is 30 nanometers thick, made of silver, bismuth and sulfur. Unlike cumbersome silicon panels, making a feasible product from this material could lead to smart surfaces that sit unobtrusively in the structures around us. Think of the Usher Library's windows, all passively absorbing light to be stored and used in situ. This material combination was already known. A study group in Barcelona tested it to efficiencies of 6%. The goal for the trio was to raise that figure. This needed raw CPU power. Working from home in Meath during the early days of the pandemic, Kavanaugh was able to access the UK's Archer supercomputer and other machines in Europe from his laptop. There were a lot of heavy calculations I ran, the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of desktops running at once for 24 hours at a time. By running these models this way, they modeled and iterated a more efficient arrangement of the three atoms. The working efficiency was above 9.17%. While reaching an efficiency equivalent to existing silicon panels is some way off, that is not due to the advantages of silicon per se. In fact, the new material actually has the best absorption properties of any currently studied. The limitations begin with other components of the device, i.e. those enabling electricity extraction. To reach the market, a benchmark of 10% is considered viable for scale manufacturing of next-generation ultra-thin cells. What do they want to target next? Given that sunlight to electricity is such a good prospect, the next generation of solar cells still looks like the prize to reach for. Kavanaugh speaks of the puzzling relationship between variations on these next-generation element choices like bismuth and silver and their efficiency levels. What makes certain combinations so good for solar cells? Whereas many other materials that are quite similar to these compounds, when tested they only reach a maximum of 0.5% efficiency or so. That's something we still don't totally understand. If we can answer that question of what's going on with the atomic bonding that makes some of these materials more efficient than others, we can then do what we call an inverse design approach. With a more firm grasp on the atomic variables, we can ask, what combination of elements can we put together that will then give us the most efficient device, rather than this kind of trial and error approach? We want to understand from the get-go what makes the most efficient solar cell material, then work from the periodic table to make the most efficient one. That will mean more computer time on supercomputers, and will likely also incorporate AI. Machine learning can accelerate the process by learning from initial calculations and predicting which combination will give you the most efficient device. Asked to give advice to undergraduate scientists, Kavanagh points to a well-known but often forgotten principle, one expressed in the success of the solar cell trio. 
It is important to think about the people you will be working with on a daily basis. No matter how prestigious the university, how grand the reputation of the professors, or how hefty their H-index is, you won't be successful if you aren't having a good time.